nothing back. Brick House. Hey, it's Enchilada Casserole Podcast <clears throat> with Felipe Esparza. What's up, fool? And Lisa Esparza. Enchilada Casserole. Yeah, there's no fools here. Enchilada Casserole. Enchilada Casserole. Podcast. Enchilada. So that was uh, Brick House, Commodores. And I was thinking about that this week. Um, Why, are you going to build a brick house? No. <laughs> I didn't know what brick house meant for a long time. I didn't know what that song was about. But What is it about? A curvy woman, a stacked woman. She's oh. stacked. It's the same as saying she's stacked or she's... What would you say today? Stacked would be like 70s or 80s song, uh, word. When I first 60s. heard that song, I was living in the housing projects. Of course, I was a kid. You know, back in the days, everybody used to walk around with a boom box. Like a boom box. Whether you're Mexican, Puerto Rican, even Asian. Everybody had a boom box. And the white boys had boom box. White girls had boom box. And they would hold it like at the beach. Crank it up, dude. Oh. <laughs> uh, one time I had my little boombox. I had the little whack boombox. Did you have a little a little radio? You I did. Play? I had glittery stickers on it too. <laughs> badass, badass. See, I'll be you'll be my girl. Somebody I have a crush on. Who do you like? Oh, that's the skinny girl over there, man, with a with a little um decorated little boombox. Yeah, it was. It wasn't huge. It was you know two speakers. I know yeah. I had one big speaker, a small speaker, and then I had a tape player, of course. Did your cassette come off fast? Like. <laughs> No, it was slow. Well, it was really slow. Awesome. Yeah, I thought that was grown up. I thought it felt grown up. My, my, I had a. I don't know who got it for me, but I had a little. I had a little boombox. Not a boombox, but you know, the, remember the ones that just had one little speaker and a little cassette deck and radio, mm-hmm. and you hold it like this. It's tiny. It oh, the little one. one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I had one of those. About loud. the size of that little record player you have, right? Like a small one, like yeah, that. probably like that. But later on, when I was selling dope, I got me the one with two speakers and two cassettes. Upgraded. I was dubbing, girl. <laughs> I was recording off the radio. <laughs> All my songs used to end like this. That was um, Dr. Dre on Power 106. I used to hate that when I was record songs off the radio. I would wait. I mean, Lisa, I would sit. Oh, I did too, to cut it right perfectly, perfectly where it didn't sound like it came from the radio. Yeah, before, yeah. you know what that should have said? Power 106. Yeah, I was like, stop talking, stop talking. Like, trying to cut it right at the beginning of the real song. You know, now, like in now, like on t- some stations, you know, so you were, I don't know, they think you might recording, they had, go, 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 go. <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> the weird air horn. <laughs> I, re- I remember. They do that, I think. So you don't distribute it as a recording, yeah. Probably. Especially during a mix. They do it during during a lot of DJ mixes on the radio. But sometimes at weddings, like <laughs> not our wedding, some DJs bust that out to just go through a different song. Oh, like I would punch go, our DJ at the yeah. wedding if he made that noise. Um, no, please, <laughs> no. no. We, we, we give him instructions. <laughs> yeah, we have so, a good, good DJ. Super Mario. I had my little boombox, man, and I had my Sharona. Nice. It's weird, man. Like, that's the no neck, one else right? had my Sharona. Like, that's everybody the had the knack. Yeah, neck, get the knack. Yeah. They had my Sharona, and I don't know the other songs. The knack songs? Yeah. I think they were one hit wonder. They might have had two hits. Centerfold? Girl on no, Centerfold? that's Jay Giles Band. I thought they were the same dudes. No, they kind of looked the same. Well, the Knack had more of a stroke sort of look where they wore the same suit, I think. And then sometimes sunglasses. Everybody wore sunglasses. 
Jake Isles band was that Peter the Wolf or Peter Wolf. Yeah. It's how old school I get. I think um, either it was KMT 94.7 or Kellaway 94.5. They were playing the whole um, men, men at Work concert live from mm. somewhere where they were at. <clears throat> and I recorded the whole goddamn thing. Oh, nice. I had two cassettes. What'd you do with it? Flipped it over. Lost it. <laughs> I had saved it for a friend of mine. You know, his name was Richie. Later on in the hood, they called that full sniper. <laughs> he passed away. Um, that dude, um, he liked kind of men at work too. I was trying to get him into it. He was one of those kids that used to spend the night at Ray's Calera's house mm-hmm. because his mom was away. So that dude, I recorded it for me and I would play it, man. And oh, it was cool, man. I heard it live. That's cool. I was a little kid, but I recorded it live and I played it. And I would have my old cassette decks, man, like heavy metal, man. I have my. I would wait for 8 o'clock at night and then on Kelo West, let the lead out. We're going to let the lead out. Oh, yeah. Got to let the lead out daily. Oh, my God, man. It was like, remember like four hardcore, not hardcore, but like the regular Let's depends on the song. They play like Black Dog. And on Sundays, did you guys have that King Biscuit Flower Hour where they play like a whole album? They play a whole album, or if it was a lengthy album, they play like one side from the album and they'd analyze it or talk about the songs and maybe mix it in with interviews of the band and stuff like that. It was like a real in-depth, usually most classic rock stations. Well, they were classics back then. They, Over, were, no. they were happening at the time. It Over here on Sundays, we had a bre- breakfast with the Beatles. Yeah, every, yeah. every Sunday was How like um, church since I was a kid, man. I love, when I first moved here, I started listening every to breakfast at the Beatles. So I, would, the I would bust on my recorder and bust, oh, record Beatles show. songs, and I would record the comedy yeah. from Dr. Demento. Yeah. That was my, my comedy jizz, man. Love comedy since I was a little kid. So getting back to the first time I heard, um, she's a brick house. Oh man, my my neighborhood was very diverse. I know that word because I hang out with diverse people now. And um, it was a lot of Vietnamese later on, but it was a lot of blacks and Mexicans, and black people had their boom boxes too, you know. <clears throat> and um, there was this dude, man. He looked cool as hell. I mean, cool, man. I mean, like, he was wearing some slacks, you know, some jeans, and um, a white T-shirt, like a rough, like a, almost like a, almost like a fucking uh, tuxedo-type shirt, and some fucking white, hey, Swisses, with red straps. <laughs> and I said, man, that fool looked legit. And I said, God damn, I didn't even have fucking K-Swiss. I kind of really liked that style, man. Like, I was more into any style that wasn't, a gang, a Mexican cholo. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not that I, I wanted to dress like that, just that it didn't attract me as it attracted the other kids. Right. For me, man, when I saw that black foot, I never seen no Mexican wearing case with. So yeah. I saw that black foot, I said, fuck that shit, man. I'm going to do whatever I can yeah. to give him some case with. I like case with. I didn't get him red, though, because, you know, I ain't no blood. <laughs> you know? He probably was. He, I think he was. But he yeah. looked cool, man. And then that jam was playing, man. Brick House. Yeah. On his boombox. Know some other guy boom oh. by those passing by. <laughs> oh, okay, just all coincided. At, yeah, know. man, but it was, it was perfect, man. He was there, and then there was like these two ladies that they would come. They would come from somewhere to come party, and one of them had like red hair, and she was like dark skin, and the other one had blonde hair, and then of course she was Mexican too. <laughs> and now uh, 
and I'm showing like trying to cleave it, but they just look they just stood out, man. Uh, kind of like when um, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, the, when that girl from in Caddyshack when she's walking in a black a uh-huh. bikini and everybody stops what they're doing, mm-hmm. well, we will start playing baseball to watch them. <laughs> and they were passing by that day too. That's funny. So everything was, it was like my own ghetto music video. Yeah. It all looked like it went with the music, I guess. Yeah, man. I love my neighborhood, man. You know, I wouldn't not, people say, what would you change about your neighborhood? No, I would not change anything because if I change something, we would, well, I wouldn't be here with my beautiful wife doing a <laughs> podcast. You know, I would have probably had a better life, but not the life I have now, which I love with my little bunny. You might not have been a comedian. No, man. I think that I you know, had, had to, no struggle. I, I think you had to have gone through all that shit to be funny. You know, you took some detours. You had some delays, but uh, it all worked out. Well, the first time I ever heard that song, I was in third grade, and I had just... I could be in third grade if I was in first grade. <laughs> you weren't in first grade. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's see exactly when it came out. Cause, um, play, some, play, play while you look for it. No. I like the, the, that, how, that band and the, the Gap Band. Be sure... To get your ticket. Gap Band is awesome. I love They're the Gap only band. guy that can play, a, come on in a video with a, a bathing bikini. No, they're wearing a, the Gap Band. Never forget the guy wearing a cowboy hat with a leather jacket and he's wearing a thong and cowboy boots. Yeah, that guy was intense. It was a little a little homoerotic. Yeah, I never thought about the, how gay that looked, man. Yeah. Nowadays, man, you can't get away with that, huh? <laughs> Unless you're, no, right? I, you were wearing black under all oh, like. Just well, I was just talking about Prince. I was just talking about Prince I was with just somebody the other day, and like he was very feminine, you know, and wore heels, of course, his whole career. Underwear sometimes. Sometimes it was just nude on his on his. Or riding a fucking unicorn on his album cover. Like, what is that about? But nobody questioned it. Oh, it's Prince. That's just Prince. Rocking out. Sorry, did I cut you off? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just thinking about uh, somebody that he's like a modern day this guy, but I couldn't think of the guy, the lead singer of Queen. Oh, Freddie Mercury. Oh. Freddie Mercury, he wrote all his shit too, right? Freddie and Queen wrote everything. Yeah, Freddie wrote most of everything. Brian May, of course, tagged it up, but so he was Queen, and this, and um, Prince was Prince. What's up with that? Yeah, well, he the wasn't connection? Queen. He was part of Queen, the band. There you go. But Freddie. Now, some people, we could talk about my Freddie Mercury and Queen knowledge next time. But my mother would just let you know, my mother was obsessed, obsessed with Queen and Freddie Mercury. My whole childhood. And I have to tell you those stories because those are weird too. But I'll tell it on another show. Because I have too many things I want to talk about today. But Brick House, okay, 1977, it came out. I was five. Oh, three. Don't lie. You were nine. So. You were nine. So wait. What were you doing when you heard it? Well, it must not have been right when it came out when I heard it because I was in third grade. Because we had moved. Me too. I, I, I didn't hear it until 1984. I was hearing too much. Boom, 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 boom. Too much yeah. I went through all Spanish music before oh, wow. I got to English. I don't think I ever heard Spanish music until I lived in New York and it wasn't. It wasn't Mexican music. It was bachata. That's the first, that Dominican stuff that I heard over there. First Mexican music I heard was Vicente Fernandez, probably. Nice. I was not because I wanted to, because it was a party somewhere all the time. And 
English, I think it's to listen to English music, probably. So we started going to my cousin's house, Patti and Laura, and they used to work for a, a record labeling company. So they got to, man, they got to the first, they used to get dibs on records. But oh, yeah. back in the days, you needed, so you needed a people to package the records. You know, it was no machine putting no records in those boxes. Yeah. So my cousin Pat- Patricia and Laura, they used to put records. And probably their whole family used to work at the record company at one time together. And they would come home with tons of records. So I would go to their um, house. Man. This probably this is like cool, man. Because I think a lot of a lot of people got to do this at record stores, and I didn't get to do it at record stores so when I was an adult. But man, they had a fuck, man, a big collection of albums and forty fives. Like she had "Hot Child in the City" on a fucking forty five. <laughs> <laughs> Does she still have those? Uh, does she still she have She still those has albums? all that shit. I'm pretty sure if I ask her, she still has them. Those are probably worth a lot of she money. She had Peter Frampton live, two of them. With the one with uh, Peter Frampton on the cover. Yeah. Like in a, like in a mirror type. Yeah. She had other Donna Summers, man. Mm-hmm. Super Tramp. Um, um, Super Freak. You know, Rick James. Mm-hmm. A lot of 45s. And um, I never got to really play them because she will play her stuff. But there I was, man, I would just go straight to all the records and start going through everything. Kind of like you do at a record store, mm-hmm. but I was doing it at her house. That's cool. And I thought that was cool. That's cool. And they're the ones who took me to the movies when I was a little kid. I thought that was tight. And, um, man, I never forget that. They took me to see Star Wars. I don't know if somebody told her to me, to take me, but she took me to see fucking Carrie. Mm-hmm. I was too little to see that shit, man. <laughs> How old were you? I don't know, man. Whatever that shit came out, man. Yeah, you must have been young. I was little, man. You're Eleven or something like and that. And then when, when uh, at the end when she got that grab that hand, yeah. I was like, Damn, I was man. just telling Isaac about that scene at the end because I was telling him about the the common tricks in horror movies. You know what they do to scare people. Yeah, the first time I heard that song was my my parents and and I we moved a lot, right? Because I told you last time we moved. A traveling wheelbarrow for my dad for my dad's jobs, right? Construction jobs. So, um, so we moved out to Colorado when I was in second grade, and then in third grade, I moved back to Ohio, and then I moved back to Colorado again, and then my dad left, and then we moved back to Ohio a few years later. So, on one of these trips, it was my first trip back to Ohio. So I was in third grade, and uh, my mom signed us up for summer camp at the Y, right? And I didn't know any of these people, and it was. Um, it was a black neighborhood where I ended up going to school later. In what city? In Dayton, Ohio. So it's a black neighborhood, um, which didn't bother me, but it was very funny because they all knew this song, but I didn't know this song. So I was third. I was in third grade. It was summer camp for the kids, the day camp, and we are having a fashion show. And this was the song for the girls. What's a brick, a brick, brick house. house? This was the song for the girls, and I was. In third grade, maybe like fifth or sixth grade girls were also in that group with me, but we were young. And now that I realize what that song's about, I realize how crazy it is that that was the fashion show song. And if I was a parent seeing that final performance or whatever you want to call it, the show, 
I'd have been like, what the hell? Playing brick house with my kid running, you know, walking down the stage. That seems really weird. That was for a dance thing? No, it was a fashion show. It was a fashion show oh. that we were doing at summer camp. It was part of summer camp. <clears throat> And uh, it was just kind of some activity we were working on all week. It wasn't like we, like what Isaac just did where they designed their own stuff and then wore them. This was just a fashion show. I don't even know why. I don't know. A lot of, a lot of black events involved a fashion show. <laughs> a fashion show or like a lot of my friends, we weren't rich at all. None of us were, had any money. But a lot of my friends ended up, um, they do, they did something. They still kept it really old school. They either had like a cotillion or coming out like a debutante, um, sweet 16 sort of thing. And they still held to that back in like 1988 to, to 90. They were still doing it. And I think they're still doing it because one of my friends just went to some uh, debutante ball for her son and um, his girlfriend. I thought that was really strange because it's old fashioned. It's old South um, activity. And I don't, I never had a, I didn't even have a sweet 16 party. I didn't have anything like that. But I thought that was so strange. It was like old tradition that they held on to. But there's fashion shows involved in all that. <laughs> yeah. So that was at the Y. Oh, but then I wanted to talk about um, my mom, how, how our moms being poor moms, they still knew how to find resources and stuff for us, things for us to do. Right? Like your mom always signed you guys up for stuff, right? Yeah, man. All over the place. I wanted to just chill, man. <laughs> just wanted to chill, man. All my friends, man, they would have to. So, all my, well, all my crazy ass friends during the summer, I don't even know what the hell they went or what they did. I know that I was stuck at summer school or later on a summer job when I was 14. I had a job when I was from when I, so time I, I was, was fifteen. Robbed of my summers, I don't think I ever had a summer where the, where I was run, when I was when they let me run loose. Me neither. And and no man. And then my mom signed. But some of those stuff were cool. Like <clears throat> my mom, she signed me up for um, summer camp, day camp, and summer camp. Mm -hmm. And um, my summer camp was cool, man. It was in Venice Beach. That is a nice summer camp. And my counselor was white. And he, had, he had like rusty blonde hair with a little beard. And he had shorts, poppy shorts. He had shorts. And a shirt that was cool. So, man, right? See, man, I'm telling you, man, like that, the way he was dressed, nobody was dressed like that in my neighborhood. Yeah. Maybe one day, only one dude, Louis Hazen. And, um, he was the coach, wasn't he? He was uh, the, the son's coach. Oh. The He's the son. only guy that rode a skateboard. And he sucked. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, you're out to listen. You didn't suck. <laughs> but you didn't go pro. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, white kid in the projects. You should have gone pro. So that dude, um, we went over there. And I remember like at summer camp, it was day camp. They would pick me up at, from my elementary school, Utah Elementary. And then from there, we'd go pick up some other fools. And then we'd pick up some fuck, some Asian people at um, and. Chinatown. They went to that Asian school and they would all go to Venice Beach. And this man, this Asian guy, he would always, he stuck to me, man. He was tight. Oh, that kid who like wanted to hold your hand and stuff like that? Yeah, like... man. Like, like we would go somewhere like, and there's a lot of people this will hold my hand. And he didn't speak any English, huh? No, not to me. Yeah. He was just quiet. But he knew that um, somehow 
there was laughter where I was at. Mm-hmm. So it was just him and I, my only homie that I can remember at Venice Camp, at Venice Day Camp. Our, we had to pick names for our summer group. We, like a, we had, a, we had a, they separated us in groups. So our counselor and I, and everybody, we had to pick a name for our, for our, I forgot what it's called, our group. We're called Sweat Hogs. <laughs> That's the name he chose. I stole that name. He did. <laughs> but it was fun, man, because we had to roller skate, man. Like, one day we roller skated all over Venice Beach, and then second, another day we rode bikes. And um, I never told anybody everything I did there. It's like I just kept it to myself. Like it you was, had a little secret life? Yeah. I never told anybody what we did. Nobody cared to ask. You know, nobody cared to ask. Nobody said, hey, Felipe, como tu fue allá en el summer camp? They never asked about never it? Asked. Never asked about it? Never asked. They just know I was gone. But it was a good summer camp. That's nice. I had, I had, uh, ah! hey, what are you doing? That's the sound I made when Lisa crushed my fingers in the car. <laughs> fucking crush my fucking fingers, dude. Like, who the hell closes both doors? Before he, the other person gets out of the car. Windows. Windows. I'm supposed to wait in the car with my car on while you get out of the car and then roll up the windows? I would have rolled it up myself. What? I would have rolled it up myself. But you don't. And then I turn the car off thinking everybody's rolled up their windows. Well, okay, and I up. look and you guys go, uh, the window's still down. Well, my, why didn't you? My fingers your hand, are longer now. Your hand is fine. My fingers are longer now. We're sitting there talking. Why you just got me off topic? We're sitting there talking in the car. Ah! <laughs> we got. Ah! We're gonna have lunch. what? 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 Ah, my fucking fingers. <laughs> we're gonna have lunch, and I parked. I sandwich. parked the car. <laughs> I parked the car, and we're talking as I'm parking the car. I turn the car off. I mean, I didn't turn the car off. What I normally do is I put it in park. I roll all the windows up, and what happens normally is I'll turn the car off after my windows up, and you guys have not rolled your windows up. For whatever reason, you don't realize that when I stop and put it in park, that means roll up your windows. So the windows stay down, and then I have to turn the car on and do it again. So and so I get in the habit of rolling up the windows myself. Your hand, I thought, was on that handle that you hold on to all the time, and you were talking. And then when I rolled up your window, your fingers were in there, and I didn't realize it. Sorry. And I say sorry, and then you act like I did it on purpose. For the rest of the day, and again, here are we are, two days later, discussing it again like a crybaby. If you, you can are. see my finger, right now, they're bruised. They're not. They're not. They're so not. They're fine. I'm so glad that you you crushed all four of them because it would have been one. It would have hurt like a motherfucker probably. Like we had one finger out. Will it hurt more when I punch you for keeping talk to, for um, keeping this up? I was like, God damn, who the hell closes a car window on somebody's finger? Hey, it happens. I'm sorry, fingers. Four hey, Felipe, fingers. it happens. I've had my fingers closed. It doesn't feel good. I'm not, I know. Well, they're me, though. It's not. It wasn't on purpose. So oh, can't you? why can't you let it go? Let something. Rodrigo oh Torres God. was closing the hood of his car after we finished hanging out with Joy Diaz. He slammed that shit, and Joy's fingers were still there. Oh, my God. He said, what the fuck? Cox the car. Ah, ah, ah. They're going to call me Joy Stubbs now. 
His fingers should not have been in the tr- in the car, in the the hood, whatever. Oh my god, man, that was fucking hilarious. Why were his fingers there? I have no idea. What the fuck you trying to take out of there? I don't know. Yeah, so you see, that was the first time I actually waited for the car to turn off to jump out of the car. Because normally when you pull up, man, that car is open. That door is open. I'm out. Well, you jump out before it stops rolling. I jump out like I'm five old. But I don't turn the car off. I park it. I put it in park. The doors unlock. I roll up the windows. I remember when I was working with Russell Peters, his car, man, everything has to be shut off. It makes noises like. Pssst, I know. <laughs> <laughs> <The> <laughs> like a vacuum packed. Lo- yes, yeah, the seat lowers. <laughs> the air, the regular air comes out. See, I I like those luxury cars, but then I feel like if the computer goes down in this car, we're fucked. Like it can't. Like I feel like half afraid that it's not going to run unless, like, if there's a computer problem, my car's just going to stop, and then I, I have to find a a place that can repair it and repair the computer inside. And I feel like the driver of the any vehicle shouldn't be comfortable enough, more comfortable than the people who are in the car. Yes, they should. They're doing all the work. Hell no, man. I don't want the guy to fall asleep while driving. <gasps> well, he shouldn't fall his, asleep. His seat shouldn't be heated. His seat, his seat should not be heated. He should have a seat that only has Red Bulls. <laughs> You're stupid. That's a dumb idea. Okay, maybe if you're driving a bus. I think you should be comfortable because especially if you're driving long distances, you have to... You know. I don't understand why people put dream catchers in their car. I know you've always thought it. you've always said that. So we're getting ready to um, film your special, and and I'm a little stressed, but not as stressed as I'm going to be. In Me August. too. I was thinking we should just move it to a town I've never been to. So it could be more exciting. It's going to be exciting in San Jose. Because oh, I already saw me a bunch of times. Yeah, but you have a big audience there. Yeah, it's a nice theater. I like that theater too. But we've been waiting. First of all, it's too difficult to, not impossible, but if we're paying for everything ourselves, which we are this time around. 100%? I think so. Okay. And if he can stick to that budget or around that budget, we're, we're good. All right. But, um, but so he. So, like 10 big mouths that want to jump in. Who? <laughs> I don't think there's any ten, big mouths. No, that we chose to finance it for a couple of reasons. One, um, the the people that we worked with for the last one, well, there were a lot of people involved in that one, um, but there were creative differences that we had. Even though it looked nice in the end, you know, it looked great, and the fans don't really know notice anything. There were things that we didn't like about it, and we wanted more control. And you know, if you give if you get more money on the front end, when you do right when you do the special, then you're losing control. On the back end, you're losing control of where it goes, where it gets distributed to, where you end up seeing it, uh, how it's marketed, all that stuff, and uh, lose control of how it was cut. I mean, we got we lost, we had some issues with that as well. So um, it's all about control and owning it, of course, later. Because everybody, there's so much. It, I don't know if people know this, but ownership of your material is very important these days. It, it's always been important. But even like Netflix now, if you go, if Netflix produces your special, they're going to want exclusive rights to that. You can't, 
make your own DVDs and sell DVDs. For people who still watch DVDs, there still are those people out there. Uh, you can't... Um, it doesn't go anywhere else. They own it. If you want to do something with it later, many years later, they own it still. But don't they give you a lot of money up front? Yeah. Some people get... Not like half a million, though. No, I think... For a Netflix special where they're producing it, I think it's around the $100,000 range. Anyway, so, yeah, we, we're going to shoot the special in August in San Jose. At the San Jose Improv. At the San Jose Improv. Is that a Thursday show? No, I keep telling you this. Oh. Friday, two shows. And then Saturday, two shows, and you're taping both of those. And then Sunday. When do I get there, Thursday? When do I get there? Probably Friday. Why? Why do you care? Raider Press. San Jose rarely has press. But I'm not sure. I have to talk to them. Oh, today we went to Isaac's little award show at school for loyalty. <laughs> they were giving out awards for everything. <laughs> like awards for wearing the same, for wearing your, your school outfit every day. Your school uniform. Your school uniform. <laughs> every day. Every day. <laughs> every day. Yeah, those awards are getting more and more whack as we went along. I know, man. What was Isaac Award for? Isaac's award, um, it was for loyalty too, says, um, Isaac is a truly loyal friend. In his first year at the school, he has quickly made friendships and bonds with his peers. He can always be counted on for levity, making jokes, and to make his friends feel better. Isaac is one, a one-of-a-kind person that can really make a difference in the lives of those around him. Which is true because Felipe was behind Isaac and he said, Isaac. And everybody turned. All the kids in his class turned. They all turned. <laughs> Once. You know, I, that was always a problem for me. I got, I got um, from kindergarten to second grade, I got reports on my report card that I talked too much, that I socialized too much. And my mom, it didn't bother my mom because my mom was so shy that she actually was proud of that, that I was a social kid. Um, even though I really wasn't, I just talked a lot, but, um, are you okay? Yeah. Your eyes are closed. I'm listening. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, I always got those, that feedback that Lisa talks too much. She socializes too much, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, when I got my, but it, when I got, when I saw it on my report card, it bothered me. You don't talk that much. I do sometimes. All right, go on. <laughs> but when I saw that on my report card, it bothered me, and and so I tried to. Be, I tried really hard to not be so social in class. What are you laughing at? I'm laughing at um, that was the first Facebook. What your, your report card when back in the day when your teacher could write <laughs> That's re- my comments? comments. <laughs> because I remember getting um, um AUU. How the fuck you give an AUU, bitch? <laughs> Work unsatisfactory, um, and then a behavior unsatisfactory, but you give you an A. But I remember that class, but I used to, I used to get everything right, but then talk shit at the end of the class. <laughs> Whatever. You got to respond, hater. She said, she wrote. Um, She's a hater. Very smart kid, talks a lot, jokes too much. You know, other, 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 other things you want to hear on your. Um, Comedy album. (laughs) (laughs) Talks too much. Behavioral problems. 
always talk, making jokes. There used to be this teacher man named Mr. Bass. And I used to call him, he used to get mad because I called him Mr. Bass. Mr. Bass. That fool was cool though, man. He, he got everybody in the class making beer for the making science class. Beer. Yeah. I was even in his class and I helped. I did oh in his God. class. I was that kid like in um when when they asked the teacher, Do you belong in his class? <laughs> I do now. And I always had a fake slip to scare him. Yeah, I do. That's why you have those dreams where you missed a bunch of classes. Oh my god. All semester dreams. and you go, Wait, I haven't taken this I haven't been in this class once this year. What is that dream? I don't know. I've had it too. Oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. my God. Man. I had it before I met you. We talked I about this. I hate that dream. I hate that dream too. I, I dream, I'm dreaming that I'm outside waiting for the school bus or something. And then I forgot. I forgot that I never go through this class. I'm not failing. <laughs> oh, shit. I had that dream the other day. Yeah. Oh, my God. My dream is that I. Re- no, it felt real. My dream is that I see my school schedule. I see you. You had the dream in Reno. No, it felt so real. This dream, man. Like I, I, I was really worried that um, because I, I, I went to all the classes except the English class, and I didn't do no homework there, and I've been skipping this class all fucking year, and it's gonna be a ten. And I know I'm gonna fail it, but I'm afraid of a mountain. I'm not gonna find out, but she's gonna find out eventually. And I've been in the school for a long time already, and I'm 26. <laughs> I have I have recurring Crazy. dream. I have that recurring dream that I'm I'm uh, I get my schedule for some reason. I opened up a notebook, and my schedule is taped in there inside my notebook. And then I notice this class at the bottom that I never have gone to. I'm like, fuck! I've had this class. Oh my god! I've never gone to it. Like I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna fail. And so I tr- start to try to go. And then I, none of it makes sense to me. And I don't know where that comes from, that dream, but I didn't know anybody else had it. Wow, man. But I have a, in my dream, when, when I had this dream, I know that I've been fucking up for the last six weeks in that class or longer than that. My other dream is, um, recurring dream is that I'm waiting tables and I'm the only, only one who showed up to work that day. And all these people come in. And I'm fucking slammed. And that actually really happened all the time when I waited tables <laughs> in most places. I was the only one who showed up. Those are the days people tip me out of pity because I was so slammed and the manager's trying to help. Pity. Yeah, they pity just like I couldn't even get to them all the time. I know you've been so busy. I can't believe they had they gave you the whole restaurant. I can't believe it. They shouldn't do that to you. That day you're supposed to make a lot of tips. I could only one there, but nothing, huh? But I, I, no, I made good money on those days, but I just hated life. But then afterward, you, you get kind of this thrill from restaurant work. So the money keeps you there, but this thrill does as well, which is like, it's like a thrill of working really hard for two hours, maybe three solid hours, sweating, hard work, you know, and then you're done. And it's almost like an orgasm or, you know, there's this release. Never had an orgasm, orgasm like feeling at work like that. <laughs> I want to go home. It's not an orgasm like pleasure. It's more like, ah, we're done, you know, and you sit back. And if you know, at the time I smoked and I had a cigarette and, you know, you get a shift drink or two. And But that's how a lot of bartenders and waiters become 
raging alcoholics. They get that free shift drink. Uh, the bartender hooks you up with more. Except at the Laugh Factory. Never got a fucking shift drink. They don't give ever. shift drinks? They don't give any shift drinks. It was the first place I ever worked where there's no shift drink. And it's like, it's just something you've come to expect. At least one Maybe shift half drink. off? No. Or oh, you get off, like get a drink? At the Laugh Factory? Yeah, when you get off at any restaurant. Yeah, when you get off your shift, you get a drink. One drink? Yeah, for free. And everybody sits and talks about the day. And that's when you're supposed to really let that shit go. That somebody called you a, a bitch or an asshole during the shift, you know. I mean, like coworkers, you know. Where you, you just, you hate that person for so fiercely for like an hour because they fucked up your flow or you were busy and they didn't come through and you needed their help or whatever might have happened or they ruined a dish and you had to wait and then that threw everything off. Your customer got mad at you. But it was really the, oh, fuck, it was the kitchen's fault. It was the kitchen's fault, you know? So, um, but I look bad because I'm the server and I'm the one out there talking to the, the customer. So, um, but you get mad at each other. And Anthony Bourdain talked about that too. Like you just get so mad at some of these people while you're working. But then you're supposed to let it go. And guys were okay with letting it go. You know, guys have that thing they can switch off in most cases. And my friend Pete, who died um, years ago, he and I would we were bartenders together, and he would get so evil to me and say the meanest things in the heat of being busy, you know, the dinner rush or whatever. And uh, oh my God, like I wanted to kill him. And then after he just wanted to go get Wendy's or whatever, you know, just go chill, go smoke or whatever back at the apartment. And uh, I was just like, wait a minute, you just called me this and this, and you said this to me. And, but he, he would just, a lot of people just let it go, but I can't get over that. Can you get over that? Have you ever been in situations where it's really busy and you're like, you're mad at each other for whatever reason when you're busy, you know? No. No. No? Maybe people were mad at you. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. When we get busy, well, those... working down just ten was busy, and um, people are, 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 I don't know. Like coworkers, you never get mad at each I other. I see coworkers for like... fight, argue with each other during oh my work. God. I got so, like got... fighting each other. Like, want to fight? Yeah, but I you never did pull that. a knife on somebody. Oh my god! But then I don't think that guy let it go, man. But that you... guy ended up getting killed later on. Oh somewhere. wow! <laughs> but you never got mad or got I in a fight with somebody. Well, they were Juan. That fool had a lazy eye. I used to call that fool from I, I used to call that fool because I knew the one eight hundred number for my where I used to work, like Dodger Stadium. <clears throat> Stan, excuse me, Stan two eleven. The direct line. The direct line with mm -hmm. that one eight hundred number, and I knew the extension to get to that stand. Mm -hmm. And I would call in. And I would tell everybody, "What's up, man? Here I am, man, I'm a comedian doing my first TV show." TV special in 1996. I call in work, see what everybody's doing. And I tell them that I'm taping a TV show. Very excited. And I tell that guy that I pulled a knife on that dude, Juan, to keep an eye on things. You got that lady eye. <laughs> he used to call that girl. He used to go, fuck you. He told me, that guy used to always get mad and yell at people. But at the end of the day, people still want to kill him, though. <laughs> they didn't let it go. I don't think we let it go, man. There were we would get mad at things like uh, the kitchen. We're a union. Usually, yeah, it's different, I guess. 
see, it, I don't know. There would just be heated. Everybody There'd be a lot of tension. Same too. Yeah. There's a lot of tension in a restaurant, especially like a nice restaurant, you know. Always moving, right? Like a, Always moving. Like a game. Yeah, and th- there are so many people involved. When I worked in the nicer restaurants, there's so I, I waited just for, for people for people who don't know. I waited tables off and on for 15 years. I did that during college, grad school. And then uh, even after my divorce, professional server. <laughs> even after my divorce, I did it longer than any other job I've ever had. Interesting. But, yeah, I attended bar, I waited tables, I did cocktail waitressing, and I worked in some fancy restaurants in New York. And um, I, learned, I learned formal service, I learned all sorts of stuff. I learned about wine and tequila and everything. But um, They pay cash tips, right? Mesa Grill is the only place where you turn in all your cash and your and you got a check each week with your cash plus taxes taken out and all that stuff. All your tips. All your cash tips that you gave sucks. to. It was the only they felt like it was going to be um uh I guess more of a motivator or I don't know what they your felt. Your tips but, were in that paycheck too? Yeah. Or with a, with a tax well, taken out of already? Listen, in New York, in Ohio, I don't know how much it is now, but when I was waiting tables made $2 an hour in those cities. And that's what I thought it was all across the country, except when I came to L.A. and started having to wait tables after many years of not doing it. Um, in L.A., you get paid, or in California, you get paid uh, minimum wage per hour. Then you get tips, right? But in New York, you got paid below minimum wage. And in Ohio, too. It was two thirteen an hour that I used to make. And the paycheck went to pay for your taxes, so it paid for whatever taxes, payroll taxes and all that stuff. But also it paid for taxes on your sales. And people don't know that. When you wait tables, your sales are taxed each week. So that got taken out of our check. So in the end, we didn't make anything in a check. You just learned to throw that check in the trash because it was zero. It always worked out to zero because you got two thirteen an hour and you got taxes taken out. So it yeah. all ended up zero. So, But Mesa, Mesa, when I worked for Bobby Flay's restaurant, they had... Um, this system where you got paid in a check every week and that check contained your cash at the end of the night when you had cash and credit cards and all that stuff. And it was mostly credit cards because it was a higher end place, not super fancy, but it was one of the nicer places I worked. And, uh, that money you would give your cash and your credit card tips to the, the manager each night. And then they would add that all up for the week and pay you in a check. And they would take your taxes out. So it was okay. It's just I, I learned to budget my money with cash each day. You know, that's how I worked. I had like a little amount. I had it all set up perfectly because I had done it for years like that. So. You ever worked at a place <laughs> where they where the, where all the fucking waiters put all the chips together? And yes, split it? one place. Fuck that. I hated that. When somebody told me they did that their, yeah. at their last job, I said, man. It was pooled tips. See, that's the kind of job where I, I could have got away with doing nothing, too. Everybody did, except me. Maybe that's why I have that recurring dream. But I'm telling you, there were, well, me and another girl, we, uh, we had pooled tips at this restaurant in New York on the Upper West Side. It was a big Lincoln Center crowd. Um, pretty good money coming through there. Uh, but it was... Everybody shared side work. Side work is all the stuff that isn't waiting tables, you know, like refilling sauces and um, 
rolling napkins and silverware and all that stuff, um, loading salt and pepper shakers, all that little stuff. The waiters do before and after their shifts. Scraping food off the the, the table. I've seen that before. That's a busser's job, probably. (laughs) Like a little knife. Yeah, there's like a porter's. In New York, there's porter's. I never worked in a place where there are porters, but there are porters in New York. So those guys come like five in the morning and they do stuff like that, like maintenance, um, loading up, you know, ice, fixing stuff. Yeah. Painting little holes and stuff like that in the walls. Um, And they would bring all the clean linens and everything. And then we would do things like fold all that stuff. But in, in this one place, we had pooled tips and I had never worked that way before. And so we basically... You have to, it's a, the honor system with, with your cash, but the rest is in credit card, and that's there's a printed record of that. So that all goes into a pot, and they divide it amongst how many waiters there are. And then we all, as waiters, tip out the bartender and the bussers because we made our money off the table, off the tables we worked that night, but we're giving a cut to both people who helped us out, right? There have been a few times when I refused to tip somebody, whether it was a busser, only once with a busser, who basically sat there and did nothing, and I did all the busing work that night. But bartenders, several times I've refused to tip them, and I had an argument with the boss about it, and, and they always saw my side. But it, And it happened at the Laugh Factory, too. It's so frustrating because they are... Big favorites? That, or if they're mad at you, they'll take it out on you by not, by ignoring you, you know, when you have an order. And customers don't know any of this stuff, you know? They're just waiting for their drink. And here I'm penalized by this guy because he's got a bug up his ass and he doesn't want to make my drinks for me. But he's a service bartender. He's specifically for me, for us, you know, the waiters. There are other times at bars where they will make drinks for customers and the waiters, right? But that's inefficient because we're actually customer. We're, we're, we're on behalf of the customers. We're there at the bar waiting for drinks on behalf of the customers. So it's like we're a customer as well. So I've refused to tip out the bartender sometimes because they can be dicks. But the bartenders make the most money too. That pissed me off too. They do the least amount of work. But the pool tips, you just start hating each other because nobody pulls their weight. So you were bartending, right? You, 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 were, you made a lot of money? Bartending, you make more money. Because you not only do you get tips from the customers, <laughs> if you have a wait staff, you get... Tips from them. They have to tip you out. Why? At Mesa Grill. At Mesa Grill. So that bucket that bartender has, that's all his? Or him and the bar bag? Him and the bartender. If there's another bartender, they split that. Half. They split that in half. But then they each tip the bar back something. Maybe like 10% of the bartender's yeah. tips. So the bartenders will count all their money at the night. End of the night, they'll give him 10% of that. The bar back, 10% of that total, and then they split what's left over in half. But they always made much more than the waiters. Bartender has to claim that too? Yeah. You're supposed to claim all your cash. Not everybody does. <laughs> Just like strippers. <laughs> yeah. You have to claim credit cards because, again, there's a written record of it. Cash can get a little funny. But I always claimed a little bit more because it just was easier that way. I, I mean, I claimed you know a little closer to what I made. Because it's easier, too, because if you're going later on, you need that tax return to have a pretty good number on it if you want to apply for stuff, you know? You can't show that you made $5,000 last year and expect to get a credit card. Or you ever seen a to get, bartender get fired for stealing uh, or waste staff? I knew people who had little scams going on, but I don't mad. think anybody got fired for so it. So it would just be pocketing money, man. Yeah. Oh, I know a lot of ways. I, my, 
the first way I learned was, well, let me first, let me backtrack with the Mesa grill. Backtrack. Just for a second. (laughs) Just for a second. The, um, at Mesa grill, our tip out was 50% total. So if, but we made a lot of money because the, the checks were high. Wait, wait, 50% to who? To everybody, because we had a lot of people. So you well, made, in the nicer restaurants, $250, you had to give half of it to the bartender? Half of it to the staff, and it's distributed in different ways. So what happens was, what happens, Bullshit. What happens is, um, or what happened was, uh, the, the ticket prices, the meal prices are higher there. So they're like, entrees start at $20, you know, and then go up. Or so, the portions, though. No, they're not. Huge. Is the food really that good, though? Some of it is really, really, really good. But, you're, but that, that, that place is like a Disneyland, right? Because they want to they think they're going to see Bobby right? Yeah, it's not like a Disneyland. It's a nice restaurant. But they think, I should have taken you by there when we went to New York. We weren't near there. Um, they wanted to see Bobby Flay. Like, it was the first, it was the beginning of a celebrity did give, chef idea. Did they give credit where you got the food from? What do you mean, where? Like, where, where's the inspiration... Or where he stole an idea for the food? Well, he didn't like steal ideas for food. All chefs steal, you know, inspiration or ideas from all the stuff they eat. But he had like he had Southwest, right? It Is was it Southwestern, thing? yeah. It wasn't Mexican, but it was Southwestern. So he would like fancy up stuff. So like one of the best dishes on the on the menu was this chile relleno. Was well, Mexican? But I know, but it didn't look like chile relleno at all. What do you put in it? Had goat cheese in it, but the the pepper, Greek. the pepper itself, it was a goat cheese chilerino, <clears throat> and the pepper itself was more solid than a chilerino that you'd see that's dipped in egg and all that stuff. You know, it's more flat, soft pepper. This was a more formed pepper, um, so it wasn't cooked as much, and it had goat cheese, and it was breaded on the outside instead. It was like a cornmeal crust on the weak. outside. Already weak. <laughs> it was already good. weak. Had a cornmeal crust. Have the the no, has to have cheese, and, and I'm vegan, but it has to be has cheese inside, and it has to be an egg or other relleno. He I made know. a stuffed bell pepper when he did. No, it wasn't a pe- bell pepper. It's a it was a, bell it was a pepper. chili. It was a like California chili, Anaheim chili. They have cheese inside. Yeah, goat cheese. I just told you it's goat it's cheese. Terrible. I'm his mom, right? Making that. Yeah, I know. It was the, not like that. With, with the pomegranate, pomegranate seeds. <laughs> that was not, also was not chili relleno. You can't talk like this because it sounds bad. You got to talk like this. My friend's mom, <clears throat> she made um, and she was Mexican. You, you got to take my out. <clears throat> um, she made chilenos with um, cranberries. No pomegranate seeds. Pomegranates inside, and that also was not chilenos, by the way. Right. It had nuts on top. Well, chileno just means like it's a stuffed. Pepper. pepper. Okay. Okay. So it really he is. Yeah. But it wasn't a pepper. It's, I mean, it's a pepper. It's a, it's an Anaheim chili. It's the same, or it's a poblano. It was a poblano chili. It's the same chili that would be used in the you chili. Had it though, I, I had it. It was delicious. I know it sounds with goat cheese. It just sounds good. It was, it was good. better, right? But it had so, a cornmeal crust on the so outside. It was like a giant um, jalapeno popper. Yeah. Oh my but it had goat cheese inside, and it had a corn a cornmeal crust. No, it was like nine dollars. That's good. it was an appetizer. Yeah. It just had one, and then it was on this black bean sauce. It was sitting on a, a pureed black bean sauce, which was really with a flat, smoky. With a flat of tortillas. No, weak. this was an appetizer, Fuck not tortillas. <laughs> it's not a Mexican restaurant. 
Anyway, just telling you. Food, though. No, it's southwestern food. It's like a mix of American and Mexican, and you know, and then fusion. You know, he had his stuff, but he cooked with the same ingredients that they cook with in Southwest and, and Mexico. They cooked with ancho chilies and annatto seeds. We had the, the thing about Mesa was they had these fancy breads that they would put out on the table instead of like nachos and stuff like or, or chips or whatever. They put bread, little muffins. Okay. People wanted these muffins. They wanted them to go. There was a blue cornmeal muffin with corn inside it was the best i could taste it right now it's very buttery it was so good Do you like the little altarito i never had that the little out the little sweet tamal oh no it wasn't tamal it was a muffin it was but a it cornbread muffin Mm-mm. it was a cornbread muffin but it was blue cornmeal and inside or throughout the cornmeal was corn kernels as well but it was just, sweet no it was you know as sweet as corn is but it wasn't like tamal it wasn't like that that sweet corn tamal. I'd had that one time. But they also had um, this annatto bread with um, annatto seed, which is that like terracotta looking What's color. Bread? Well, it was a muffin again, but it had like this orange, you know, that terracotta, like flower pots? Nope. A flower pot? Yeah. That color. It's a seed. It, it's very colorful in Mexican food. Um, it's called annatto seed. But anyway, so and he had a bunch of different little muffins and little tiny little discs, cornmeal discs and stuff. People love those breads. But anyway, um, all his stuff was a fusion of stuff, you know. But people loved it. People wanted to, to meet him, and sometimes he was there, and sometimes he'd come by people's but, um, tables. But the tips were good. Tips were great. And I made – and also we'd get famous people in there sometimes, so they tipped pretty well. I would make on a weekend night – I'd make four to five hundred dollars for like a five hour shift. Okay. But I have to tip out at the end of the night half of that eventually. So the bartender gets some. Um, they had, and, and then the busser, right? That, I'm, I'm used to tipping those people out. But Mesa and some of the other fancier places had a coffee guy. You have to tip the coffee guy. Coffee and guy. then they had food runners. And the food runners, in fancier restaurants, you don't. The waiter doesn't t- carry food out to the to the tables. You just stand there. You answer questions about wine. You try to sell them wine, tequila. So we had food runners, and food runners. What their job is is they garnish everything. They might put the little sauces on. You know how Bobby Flay had those sauces in squirt bottles and stuff. They might put that on the plate. You know. They basically are not plating the food, but they're making it presentable. They'll wipe off any sauce drippings that might be on the side, you know. They make it look pretty. And then they, when they get to the table, if you've written your ticket right as a waiter, they don't have to ask who got this, who got that. They know where each plate goes because we have to label the seats a certain way. So we yeah. say, okay, 1A gets this, 1B or uh, 2B or whatever gets this plate. And then they shouldn't, there should never be a question, and they usually don't have to ask anything from the customers. They just put their stuff down, and they know what they got. So when there's a good relationship between the waiter and runner, you have a great night, you know. And they're, they're worth the tip out most of the time. But you fall asleep? Nope. <laughs> you look like it. Did you eat an edible or something? No. You sure? Anyway, I don't know how we got on waiting t- waiting tables. I didn't mean to talk about waiting tables forever. I know, man. I'm waiting for my dinner. 
What was the worst job you ever had? Worst job I ever had. A lot. All my jobs were worst. The one you wanted to quit like every day. You, nah, you felt like leaving if, if I quit, halfway through your shift. If I was like quitting, I'd just leave, man. <laughs> I, I never, I, don't, I never gave a two week notice. I just left. Probably my first job, man. It sucked dick. I was working there from midnight to eleven thirty in the morning, and I'm, all I did was no breaks, no breaks, and no lunch. That's illegal. Like I know. In between, it just job would just slow down. I was working at um, some produce place in downtown LA. Right next to, from where I used to live, I could walk, but it's gonna be a, it's gonna be walking like through the jungle, getting there. So I would get a ride. I would drive there, and I would start at midnight. This is where my son was. When my son, my son was um, not even born. It was like. My chick was pregnant, my baby mama. So I had to find a job. So my dad hooked me over the job. Second baby mama? First one. First one. So my dad hooked me over the, hooked me up with his job. And I was working over there on Anderson Street, a place called Apex Produce. And my dad's friend um, used to work there. And my own. And anybody that ever came from Mexico that needed a job would always work there. <laughs> those jobs are always hiring. So um, the goal for that job was to just um, load trucks. With fruit boxes? With fruit boxes. So I would just help. There was a lot of trucks, like maybe like 20 of them. And those drivers for those trucks were also loading their trucks. So my job was just helping out whoever needed help. So um, I would help this one guy, and he goes, Uncle, get me um, strawberries. Five boxes of strawberries. So I'll go get five boxes of strawberries. And then I would put, he goes, he would tell me, one white guy, he goes, man, just put it in the bag, put it tight. I like that shit tight. So I would just put, I would do everything tight, tight, tight. And um, so then I met this other fool, and that other fool was crazy, man. Like he had a, he goes, you wanna eat something? Hell yeah. So he, he, he had like a, a bottle of um, Cool Whip hidden somewhere. A tub? A tub with some fucking, a box of good ass strawberries, man. So we would just sit there, man, and put Cool Whip on those big-ass strawberries and fucking tear them up. But at that job, for $20, they'll give you a box full of anything you can stuff it with. Wow. So How big is a box? Like a regular box. That's a fruit box they give you. That's the mm-hmm. one they deliver. And I will put tortillas. I will put eggs on top. Put this way, man. Did eggs the, there? Eggs. And I only did it once. But I would have, they have some, sometimes they had um, zucchini cakes and stuff like that. So I would do that. That's probably my worst job. I left it there a week. And I didn't tell nobody. Did your dad get mad when he found out? Hell yeah. <laughs> you made him look bad. That was my, that was my, he, I think that was my, I quit that job. I, I left it there a week, okay? A goddamn week. Plus a, a lot of the food were playing grab ass over there, like oh, fucking around. Guys do that all the and, time. Um, and I wasn't down for that, man. So do that behind me, like. And I, and I just elbowed him. <laughs> and I said, and, I, and, I, and, I, and my mom asked me, she asked me straight up, I'm getting going to go there. I see there's too many fags over there, man. They're always grabbing each other. Don't fuck around like that. I'm going to fucking kill somebody over there. <laughs> and, I, and I said it in my front of my dad, too. Like, he probably played grab ass with those fools, you know. And I told him, I don't know. I, don't, I, I, don't know. I told him I straight up, and I was looking at his eyes. I said, I don't understand this, man. That's some gay shit. <laughs> I went over to a bunch of gays. <laughs> You know, and I told him straight up, you know, they're grabbing each other's ass, laughing. He goes, I, he goes, I wasn't, I, I'm not from that world. Yeah. 
you know, where it's okay to be homosexual and funny. And I was really looking at my dad's eyes, man. I want him to know, <laughs> motherfucker. This is your your life, motherfucker. It is a working class guy, like I, um, like the Dominican guys I worked with in one of the restaurants in New York. They would slap each other. They would like towel slap, snap towels at each other's butts um, in the kitchen. They weren't gay at all, but they they did do a lot of that grab ass stuff, and they yeah, thought that was funny. But I don't uh, know what that is with guys. It's weird. I never worked everywhere I worked with man. That shit and was, these were men. That like, shit came to a screechy halt when I got there, man. <laughs> and you're not homophobic at all. It's no. just you don't like to participate in that sort of. I don't think you like anybody violating your space like that, yeah. regardless of what's happening. Because you've gotten mad at girls who take it too far and do stuff like that. You know, you know where it might hurt or surprise you. Or I, I've seen it play around those fools, but not around me, man. Yeah. Uh, my start playing and giving behind somebody in a chokehold and, and then holding them to Game's it. over. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because you come from a family of so many brothers, you'd think that if it was going to happen, it'd happen with the boys, you know, playing around, but you didn't really do that. Yeah. That's funny. So that job I, I worked on, for, I started on Tuesday and I quit and on fucking Friday. Damn. So, no, I quit like by next Monday, man, I didn't last. I didn't even go pick up my last paycheck. I, oh. I, I, I figured they'll mail it or whatever. I didn't even give a fuck. I quit. I had a lot of shitty jobs. I had a job. Before I waited tables, I was a busser because I wanted so badly to, to get. a bus? No, I was a bus boy, but I was a girl. But that was the only way to get into this restaurant I wanted to work in in Ohio because I was trying to work three jobs so I could move to New York. So this whole year i was working three jobs to save up i worked a research job with one of the professors at my school and i waited tables at uh the golf course restaurant which sucked because those guys are sucked who who played golf there and kind of ran the club all the you know they thought they were big shots their pinky rings and their tucked in shirts over their bulging bellies caddyshack <laughs> it was pretty much like that uh, and then uh, I wanted this other job at this Mexican restaurant in Ohio. And it was... Uh, Chi-Chi's. <laughs> it wasn't Chi-Chi's. There is a place called Chi-Chi's. But I, ha- I wanted to... Um, I wanted to work at this place so badly. That the they made good money there. And it was also near my college. So I could go right after school and... Um, I could go right after school, and uh, it wouldn't. It would only take like fifteen minutes to get there, and I could work. But um, I wanted to work there, so I started by being a busser. And he, um, the manager, eventually promoted me to a waiter. But I cut my leg. That was the worst job because the trash, man, it was so there was so much trash, and he had to take the trash out. I was doing the hardest labor of the of the restaurant, and I cut my leg. I still have a scar on my leg where I cut my leg on a broken bottle that was sticking out of it. That was my first day, and I spilled trash juice all over my shoe, and it was all in my sock and everything. Not trash juice. You know what that smells like and looks like. It's all that brown trash. and like it's gross. It smells like it's bad warm. food. It's bad food and bad fermented alcohol. You or, even get the carbs in it. <laughs> 
That's gross. Now, one of my worst jobs I had, I was working at the Broadway warehouse for the Broadway. I don't mm-hmm. know if Broadway still exists. But like Broadway mm-hmm. Macy's. No, like you guys have Macy's in the in um mm-hmm. it was Macy's back in the days in um in the East Coast it was Macy's. Over here it was called Broadway. Mm-hmm. The Broadway. And I guess in um Texas it's called Dillard's. Uh, also like Tennessee, like the middle of the country, yes, I think it's called. But also Broadway. it was called May Company. Was another yeah, one. May Company. And then um Bullocks. Ohio had May Company. Yeah, so May yeah. did May Company become uh, Broadway or Macy's? Uh, May Company <laughs> I think was the I think, not sure, was the parent company of Macy's. Yes. I believe that's what it was. Um, and then May Company just kind of got phased out, and Macy's became the name of the corporation as yes. well. Yes. Over I here, it, it, it became Broadway or something. While I was working at the warehouse, the warehouse is over there on, on um, Broadway. It's on Broadway by Lincoln Heights. Downtown? Oh, over By okay. Highland Park uh-huh. area. By El Sereno. Towards the end, mm-hmm. there used to be a warehouse. And um, me and Bobo were the only ones that worked in that, inside the warehouse while everybody was doing all the fun stuff, Damn. getting all the clothes. <laughs> Him and I worked eight hours a day all summer separating clothes hangers. Oh. And there was a box. There was like a fucking mountain of boxes full of different clothes hangers from different parts of... Um, of all the stores, because they were liquidating all the stores. So when they saw a company, they tried to make as much money as possible from it once they sold. So they even sell the hangers. They were going to sell the hangers. So man, we were separating hangers all day, and in our, in our lunchtime, getting high. A weed or yeah, other stuff. A weed. His dad used to take us to work every day. Man, it was funny. His dad stand, he would go, "Bobo, would I make a Nescafe coffee for him?" Instant coffee with regular water, and then microwave it. Ugh. It was cool. Stand the man, man. So yeah, man, we're we're called a man. We hung, we fucking hung out for a while. No pun intended. So that was my another <laughs> job, man. We fucking separated hangers all day. Man, I babysat these hillbilly kids right next to me. It was two kids, two boys, six and nine. hangers. And, uh, yeah, that hanger job sounds horrible. I was in... Um, the lady. No wired hangers! <laughs> I was... Uh, yeah, this bad job I had, I was 15, or 14 and 15. I did it two summers in a row, and I can't believe I did it in the, the next summer. I babysat the kids right next door to me. I went over there at 8 in the morning while their mom went to work, got ready for work, and she left. Until she came home at 5.30, Monday through Friday, and I got $50 a week. Do you know what a fucking deal they got for a babysitter all summer for $50 a week? You know what you're to ask for more or what? I didn't know I could have made more. I didn't know how much a but babysitter... But I couldn't afford it, right? She couldn't have afforded that. She, he was... The husband was... Um, the husband was like a... He was like a contractor, like a handyman. And he would... Go on call. No, no, no. <laughs> a handyman. Oh. Like <laughs> so he was handyman. <laughs> so he was a handyman. I said, "What the butcher?" No, he was a handyman. He would go out and fix stuff for people. But he he was a contractor. But I don't think he worked. He was like Birdman. 
Yeah, but I don't think he worked for himself. He was like part of a pool of handymen or something. And so he was always out of the house during the day. And then um, she was just now going to work. Like, I don't think she ever worked until she needed to at some point or she wanted to. I remember them fighting about it a lot. So I feel like she wanted to and he didn't want her to work. Right. But the kids were six and nine. They were both in school. So I think she felt like now it's time. I need to start spreading my wings a little bit. Anyway, so she started working as a, a secretary and a receptionist or something like that. And then I think she had an affair with her boss. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I think she had an affair with her boss. And that started the, their divorce. They started splitting up. And I didn't really know at first what it was about. But I was so nosy. I went through all their stuff. <clears throat> I went through all their stuff. The guy, the dad had those little cartoon sex books. Remember those? You, you, you talked about them in Spanish. He had some in Spanish, and I know he didn't speak Spanish. <laughs> but he had some of those in his drawer. I, I searched through all their stuff. I found out all this information. So, so, so nosy. Hell yeah, you are. <laughs> I <laughs> wanted to know what was going like Charlie's on. Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Sabrina. I wanted to go. Uh, oh, anyway, so I went through all their stuff and um, I figured out they that I, I think she had cheated on him. And which is probably his fear in the beginning because he's kind of this, you know, working class kind of hillbilly guy, you know. And I, a lot of guys feel that way when their wife wants to go become, you know, go to back to school or start working when she never worked before. They start to feel, that's the one that got wet. I think their insecurities set in and they start to feel like, well, if she's going to have this independent life, she might leave me, you know? She might get, become too good for me, you know? Or something like that. And then she'll be gone. And a lot of guys think that. And I think that was his fear in the beginning and it came true. I think it all happened. What came true? Her cheating on him or her... Not becoming too good for him, but just changing and their relationship changed. On the handyman? On the handyman. She cheated on him. But these kids were hellions. These kids were hyperactive boys, man. They were all like Harry. And it, it sapped my strength as a 15-year-old, 14-year-old, my whole summer. And I didn't want to go do a lot of stuff. I watched movies. We watched Dirty Dancing a million times because one of the kids liked that movie. But again, now, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He loved that movie, but um, I was boring. I was a boring babysitter. I did not want to go out and do stuff with them. I like. I was like, oh, let's just watch a movie. Let's sure. watch a movie because they had HBO. Dollars a week. Oh, they're not doing shit either. I know. Well, they had HBO and they had all this oh, stuff. Didn't so, and I didn't have cable, oh, so right. I was like, you know, I want to watch all this stuff. I can't watch. We watched Fat Boy, the Disorderlies movie, Fat Boys. I watched. I loved that movie. We watched that over and over and over, and. Uh, but anyway, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> the fat boys are back. <laughs> Pretty good. Fat boys. But yeah, are she back. got such a steal. She got such a steal, and I, I did some bad, stupid babysitting, some bad parenting. You jerked him off. Oh no! <laughs> just no way! I was trying to add comedy to the show. That's not funny. Ew. <laughs> No, I I did stupid things because I smoked. No. I, I kinda did what joints. I kinda treated them the way my mom treated Bagged us. Them. No, but 
I kind of treated them the way my mom treated us. I, I wasn't violent with them, but... You made them vegan. No. One of the kids... You bit them in the cheek. No, one of the kids... No, but... No. <laughs> one of the kids was messing around and... Uh, you lowered him to a, a... You made him feel low. No. I was trying to do a bunch of things and get ready for his parents to come home. It was Friday and I had to... Oh, I also sometimes had to put stuff in the crock pot for her. Like a can of soup and a big old steak or something and like get oh, something. Said, Listen, bitch. I'm not fucking with <laughs> this fire here. I know. I did, a lot, fuck? I did a lot of shit, man. I was like, okay, put the soup, the cream. Yeah, you also do two, a couple of jumping jacks. <laughs> put the cream of mushroom soup in there. Put Re- that. Record my soap opera. Put that sirloin or whatever it was. Put that in there. Yeah, I had to do all this stuff for her. So then I'm washing the dishes and this kid's like running around and I said, come here. And he came over to me, and I wiped suds in his eyes. <laughs> I just wiped him across his face. With suds? Or, 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 I was soap? washing dishes, oh, yeah. yeah. And I had suds on my hand. And I, I rubbed my hand all over you his eyes. You were washing eyes. dishes, too? Oh, I did everything. Fuck that. <laughs> I thought you were just babysitting. No, it was all day. It was 8 to 5.30. Mexicans get paid more than that. I know. Immigrants get paid more than I that. I know. I got I got ripped off. I got ripped off. I would have been eating their food, man. Oh, I ate their food, okay. but I got ripped off, man. Using electricity. <laughs> yeah, I ate their food, but I think that was expected. You know, I was supposed to have lunch with them, and then I had to prepare them dinner. And prepare them breakfast. I mean, it was it was really a tiring job for a teenager. I hated that job. How old were the kids? Six and nine. Oh. It's too, it's, it was too much. But then she got such a deal. And then one time, I think I, we had to have a meeting one time because then I made another bad decision as a babysitter because the boys were fighting, right? And one of the kids. You have knives. No, one of the kids. Tell my mom did. <laughs> almost. What tell the, my brother and I were fighting. <laughs> fighting, man. I want to kill that motherfucker. And my mom said, you want to fight? You want to fight? And she goes, let me find a knife for you guys. I said, man, give me a sharp one. <laughs> I feel my mom fucked my ass up and bit at him. So what did you do? Did you go out with knives? No, she my mom ended up hating me for you. saying oh. that. <laughs> and my, my brother lived. Man. No, I my uh, sh- what happened was um, the kids were fighting in the other room, and I, again, was trying to do something in the kitchen. And then the other one's crying, 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 comes running to me and explains that the other one threw a ball at his head or something like that. And I said, all right, give me the ball. And I told the other kid who threw the ball at this kid, I said, you lie down on the floor right now. And then I gave the ball to the littler kid and I said, throw it at him. You threw it at him? (laughs) Threw it at his balls. He threw that his genitals. I didn't mean for him to throw it there. Like I don't even know. Now that I think about it, I don't know where I thought he would throw it cry- on oh, his body. Cry? He cried, and then he called his mom at work. <laughs> and then I got in trouble, and we had to have a meeting with the dad and the mom and me. And fifty dollars what they get. Man. That's Fuck what them. I felt like. You know what? And they did. They still didn't fire me, and I think it was because they realized how much babysitting was or would be because they didn't have any family to take care of these kids kids it's they all summer worked. they both worked it's all summer there's no school so you know but you know do what other parents do put them in, in day camp or whatever 
but all that's much more expensive than $50 a, a week for the neighbor to come over right next door. Shit, my mom left my little brother with me. I'm fucking practicing wrestling moves on these motherfuckers. <laughs> I got my little brother in the Boston Crab. <laughs> I figure out with my other little brother, the, the figure four leg lock really hurts. Oh, that a, shit hurts. I bet there's a lot of cartilage missing from people who practice the figure four leg lock because I did that with my brothers. It, and it man, makes my knee hurt to think about it. You can't get out of it. No. And um, I would practice um, the... The Paul driver of my little brothers. Oh, my God. You could have broken their neck. I didn't even know, man. You know, that kid in Florida years ago, he got put in jail. I think he was eight. I think he was eight or ten for killing his neighbor because he was practicing wrestling moves. And the neighbor was like two or three. Killed the kid. My brother Angel, he used to fart in a sandwich bag <laughs> and then close it and then run to another one of my brothers and say, look, smell this. Did it last? Did the fart last in the bag? I don't know. I think it did. You never smelled it? No. Anytime my brother tried to make me smell something gross, I just blew on it. Yeah, it's gross. And I didn't have to smell it. This blew through my nose. You ever, uh, you said your mom sold like Shackley and stuff like that, right? Have you ever done any Amway or multi-level marketing or what do they call that? Pyramid scheme stuff? Did you ever do any of that personally? Me? Yeah. Your mom sold Crystal Promotions. Avon. Yeah, she sold stuff like that, but no, not me. I never sold it. And Shackley, you never did like Herbalife or anything like that? Yeah, I had a... Well, part of my of scientific experiment for money. What? I got this... Oh, you did... You were like medically researched yeah. on? Or they did research on you? I don't know what kind of research it was, man, but I, I was falling asleep to the whole <laughs> the whole session, man. You had to throw out all your data. I don't know what there was... There was there, they give us a bunch of questions over and over, and we just answer questions. But um, I just know that I was fucking sleeping. I don't know. Maybe the I don't know what they were researching us for. They didn't tell us, but I was falling asleep in there. We had a uh, seventy-five bucks though. Where you got? Yeah, it's more than I got. But you only did it once, <laughs> and that sucked. That really sucked. That babysitting job. The more I, the more I talk about it, the more I just go, well, that was. That's what being a mom is like, you know. That's. That's being a mom. I was their mom all day. One time I, I worked with this girl at a restaurant and she was older than me. She was probably 10 years older than me, 12 years older. And she, uh, she sold Amway and I didn't know what Amway was. I still don't know what Amway is. <laughs> Amway is just a company that is a uh, distributor of products. So, so you... Uh, they sell a lot of cleaning products, but they have electronics and lots of other things that they they sell from time to time. But they sell a lot of different products, and they have a catalog, but they use independent, what they call independent distributors, right? Independent uh, salespeople. And that person was my friend. She was one of those. She had a catalog. She showed me all this stuff, right? And I'm like, hey... I want some of that cleaner because they had a bunch of cleanser, uh, like for your house, they had, um, cleaning products that were non-toxic, uh, that were plant-based that were, you know, safe to use around humans and, and pets and stuff. So I wanted to use those products. So I asked her, you know, can I get this or this product or whatever? I was looking through a catalog. She's all proud of it, right? She sells Amway now. I was like, okay. So... Um, I ordered these products from her, but she didn't give me the products. She didn't like 
place an order for the products. Because what they do is they get orders from people. They order a bunch of stuff or they order a bunch of stuff and have it in their garage and then get orders from people and give it to them. But you have to pay for those products. You have to pay the company Amway for those products you have. You can either give some away if you want as samples or whatever. She gave me a little cleaning sample, right? Um, or you can sell it to them. But the real money comes from having people work for you, right? So this is where the pyramid scheme comes into play because you get somebody to work under you and another person to work under you and another person. All of a sudden, you've got a sales team. But the problem is if they're working in the same neighborhood because usually friends live in the same neighborhood yeah. as the other friend or the same vicinity, and you're kind of cannibalizing each other's market because you know the same people, you run in the same circles, you might go to the same church, that sort of stuff, you know. So there's there are problems or difficulties with it, the whole setup. But I didn't know any of this. I didn't know what Amway did. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what a pyramid scheme was. And uh, and they didn't call it multi-level marketing back then. Now that's what they call it, so it doesn't sound like it's a pyramid. <clears throat> but um, so I ordered this stuff from her. She gives me a little sample size of the cleansers. I'm like, okay. And then she says, you know what? I'd like to come by your house and show you some more stuff about Amway. I was like, all right, whatever. Okay. And she comes over and she has a friend with her, some guy who's dressed in a suit, which was weird when I answered the door because I have a bong on my living room table. <laughs> you know, like this is a college. I was in my first year of college or second year of college. So I quickly cleaned up, right? But also my heat is off in my living room, like off enough to where there's frost on the windows, right? And frost on stuff in that room. Most of my time was spent in the back living room, which wasn't really set up for people to come over. It was a mess. So we ended up meeting in the kitchen. We go sit in the kitchen. This guy busts out this book of like people in furs and diamonds and sitting on boats and this is some lifestyle he's trying to sell me on. But I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, why is this guy showing me this stuff? You're cold. You want you to have a fur coat. <laughs> you saw that frost. These are like, it's like a color picture, a book, a book, a big catalog binder book full of colored pictures of people like from the late 80s and early 90s enjoying life. The Reagan style, you know, Reagan style. You know what I mean? Like yuppies and... What are you smelling? <laughs> but it didn't appeal to me at all, first of all, because I never wanted that lifestyle. But second... You showed a picture I, of the part of the great Gatsby. Yeah. Second, I don't know why he's showing this to me. I was like, what does this mean? And I think he thought I already knew what was going on. <laughs> but then they it eventually got down to this sales pitch, basically, which was to try and set me up with an account of my own. And I, she would be my supervisor. My friend would be my supervisor out in the field. And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Whoa, whoa, about? whoa, whoa. What? What field? It's How cold outside. <laughs> This is a frost? I was like, uh, I, I don't, I'm not interested in that. And he looked like he had wasted his time. I mean, in this shithole of an apartment, in the cold, where there's 
There's no heat, and um, and my friends just standing there. Couldn't even get frozen, a hit. My my friends just standing there with this frozen smile on her face, like, huh, huh, like you like this? Does this sound good to you? Like to try and sell me on it too? And I'm like, what are you smiling about? This is it was torture. Oh, and my husband at the time, Josh Isaac's father, came home. And he popped his head in the kitchen real fast to see who I was talking to. And he just went, and he backed out and he left. He left me there. He didn't even save me. You know the Jim Pam moment in the office when they're at that party and Jim's trying to get out of the party. So he makes up an excuse and she's like, oh, no, you're not leaving me here. He left me there. And uh, he left and I was still stuck. That could have been an out, but it wasn't. And he didn't give me the out. So, damn. Anyway, uh, it was bad. Two hours? It, it, it was. It was a long pitch. Man. You can't even buy the stuff, huh? I just wanted to buy the I stuff. To, I want to know, like, if, if everybody's selling, who's sell- buying? Right, right. <laughs> I have never gotten that answered. Somebody has Is to there buy. There a color eventually. scheme also for Amway? Color scheme? Like a, I thought it was like a color scheme. Like they give you like a couple, your the psychological color or something. Oh, I don't think so. Okay. Are you talking about like Roger and me when you when you were no in Roger and me? There's a woman who does colors. Okay, like she picks out your colors for you're a summer person or whatever. Is that what you're talking about? So Amway still around? Amway still around, but you know who who they target the most? Latino now. Immigrants. Yeah, yeah. Immigrants who have well, Latino saw herbal life. Who yeah. like who the hell is buying this stuff? Everybody's selling another thing. Everybody's I know. selling. Everybody's buying. selling. Everybody's talking about it. Oh yeah, I love the shakes. Oh me too. I drink one every day. Who, you guys are just talking to each other. You're just all selling. Another in like I, I don't know the, who's buying. I'll, they sponsor um soccer team. Now. Oh yeah, they got money. Somebody's buying. Somebody buys something. Somebody's they have a fucking buying. Big ass herbal life. <laughs> over in building. Century City, yes. it's like the headquarters and over then, there. Dude, when I was in San, in San Antonio, they had a herbal life convention. I was on the and plane bunch, in Albuquerque to yeah. Albuquerque, and all herbal life winners. A bunch winners. of Latina yeah. looking peg, Peggy Hill types. Peggy Hill. <laughs> they were all like 50, 40s to fifties. Yes. Right? How about when we were yeah. in a hotel room and all the Guatemalan women were there and they were? Oh, they, they, they dressed dress like church, but. And, it was a sales thing. It was a sales thing. It was in um. It was in Amway. I don't it was know what that else. was. It looked like people who could have been going to Victory Outreach too. And they were all going to get cut up. They had like uh, ankle a tattoos. Of, a bunch of cankles. Ankle tattoos under their pantyhose. That's the yes. sign of Victory Outreach. <laughs> yeah, man. It doesn't look good, man. If everybody's in line at Starbucks thinking it's going to be free. Or getting surprised that the coffee's two dollars. A lot of bad suits. A lot of bad suits too. Oh, bad brown. A lot of brown suits. Yeah, man. Those are never good. Like I don't know, man. You know, you know, p- people don't wear like a lot of double-breasted suits. Yeah. That were open. Yeah. <laughs> That's always funny. That should never be open. So a lot of a lot of things like that besides Amway, how huh, right? You can get into yeah, the money. Yeah, Amway, Shockley, uh, Herbalife. There's this new drink. How about Tupperware? That's is that also. I don't know if they still do Tupperware stuff like that because you can buy it in stores now too. I think. But um, Avon and all that. So is that also part of a positive? Uh, uh, no, Avon is different because you don't have people selling under you. That's no. not the goal. The goal is to sell the product. But uh, Herbalife is, huh? Herbalife is to also have a sales team. Anything with, anything with supplements is not, it's a scam, huh? Not really a scam because somebody eventually gets money. Somebody eventually gets money, but 
but the pyramid effect comes comes into play when there's a kick up of your sales. You know, you kick it up to somebody else who's on the next level above you. Um, I, but um, Avon is different. Avon empowered women to actually start working for the first time because they could work out of their house. And they could work during certain hours when their kids are in school and whatever. Um, so that they would go door to door. Actually, they would go to door to door, and they would make friends with, with samples. Yeah, so they'd have samples. Avon calling. I was thinking. Yeah, I did a whole presentation in business school like that, and I I had my little tote and everything. We did a whole thing. It wasn't it wasn't like a sketch or anything, but it was a presentation, and it was I got a fucking A on that one. But um, but it was redesigning Avon's business model for the new age. And actually it's what they ended up doing. So you basically take the flaws or, or their weaknesses at this point in time and you revamp the company and talk, you know, you're the new owner of the company. What's the direction for the future and why? And then you lay it all out and you lay out the financial side of it and everything. So, um, but Avon, um, they didn't have a pyramid scheme where you would, the people under you, you would have people under you. You just sold for the company, and you See? got you got yeah kick back for every order <clears throat> that you got, and that was it. You made your own money, and you weren't part of a team or anything like that. Yeah, man. But yeah, a lot of uh, immigrants do those things because they can. Uh, they have a market that a normal company can't really reach. So there was a lot of Albuquerque. Um, you saw a lot of Herbalife Latinos on the plane. All these women. It was mostly women. Um, Herbalife t-shirts. They all had Herbalife t-shirts on and badges and stuff. And they were on their way to some convention. In San Antonio there. too, I saw my first time in San Antonio, like one of my, no, second time in San Antonio, 1998. I saw a lot of Herbalife convention mm-hmm. in San Antonio. There's another thing that some of my friends get into right now. Something about this pink drink. This pink drink that like helps you lose weight and gives you energy and all this stuff. And you get off soda and like, they all have the same spiel, so I can tell that they're, it's a company spiel that's been written for them. Is it called Coke? I can't, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called, but it's a pink drink. It might even be called the pink drink, but it's, a, it's like a shake sort of thing, uh, a drink. Another thing that people are trying to get into right now is, um, I don't know, it's um, some comic trying to get me into that. I, I didn't sign that up. She was really pushing it too. Um, it was trying to this this app where you put all your web pages, all your internet together, like your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook. Oh, your like Snap. the Who Say and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Who Say is the one that came out that uh, like people like Neil Brennan used that. George Lopez used that for a while. It was something like that, but not Who Say. Anyway, we're having a long conversation. Right. I'm going to cut this down to half, but let's do this. What's anything time? else? Yes, people. Next week, um, I will I will be hanging out somewhere in Santa Cruz or Morro Bay. San Luis San Obispo. Obispo. We'll be with a. We'll probably be doing a podcast from over there. We're just gonna relax and, over and, there. Yeah. No work. No work. And um, what else? Oh, uh, then May twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth. You have in this order: Fresno, Merced, Visalia. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yes, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 12th, 13th, 14th. Tower Theater, uh, Merce- Fox Theater. Merced Theater and Fox Theater in Visalia. And then um, after that, you have Arlington Improv the 19th of May through the 22nd. And then Chattanooga, Tennessee at Comedy Catch, 
May 27th through 29th. Time flew, man. It's already going to be May next week. I didn't even know. I can't believe it. And your son's birthday party. My son's birthday party. He's turning 12, and I've decided to give him a cell phone. It's going to be interesting. I have to put some restrictions on it. but. So you're going to ask me? Oh, I was going to ask you about this. There's one last thing. but um, Margaret Cho. Um, have, did you hear about this? Margaret Cho, I guess bombed really hard um in at the stress factory in new jersey last week uh, end of march all week end of march she bombed no it was just this one set she did it was at the stress factory on saturday night true headlining her show yeah uh witnesses tell us cho started her set with a debbie downer discussion of her rape because she was raped going on about Gary Shandling's death and white people having it so easy. She also made several gay jokes, and at least one one punchline led to two men in the audience fighting. When the crowd had had enough, they broke for the exit. As one angry customer put it, this is comedy before Easter? Rape, rape, rape. We're told Cho called some of the people bailing racist, some of the people who bailed racists and overprivileged white people. She blurted out, you will never get a cent of the money back that you paid. And then she blamed it on jet lag, her bombing. So then she enlisted the help of Jerry Seinfeld because she couldn't, this bombing stuck with her, I guess. So in mid-April, she announced that she was going to come back to the stress factory very soon. When did Uh, she bomb? March 26th. And then middle of April, she announced that Jerry Seinfeld's going to open for her. Well, listen, this is what happened. Okay, she's doing a makeup show for that disaster of a show. They, they're at what time she do, though? I don't know. Let's say probably an hour show. I don't know. Well, that's hardcore, though. She's a soldier to be bombing <laughs> for an hour because you're bombing for like. She horse. was ranting, and I think right. people just finally gave up and okay. left, you know. Um, so Jerry said, uh, Jerry's on board for a makeup show, Jerry Seinfeld. Um, the stress factory fired off an email to audience members who were there for Margaret's show. And it reveals that Jerry is on board for a makeup show. So all those people are invited back to a show in the email. It's Jerry writes, cause Jerry wrote it. Jerry Seinfeld wrote the email. When a standup show doesn't go well, the audience and the comedian both go home unhappy, sometimes not really sure what went wrong. Every comedian has this experience, has experienced this sense of unresolved resentment and anxiety. Kind of like how that stuck with you that that lady threw the ice at you, you know? Yeah. You weren't bombing. She just was affected by your joke in some way. Yeah. And she got mad. But it stuck with you. Maybe you reacted harshly or, or too quickly. Maybe you should have been funny instead of angry. Or maybe you were too angry. I didn't think it sounded too angry. Yeah. I mean, it sounded angry. But, you know, some of those people get stupid <coughs> in clubs. But that's not what happened here. So... Um, he goes on to explain that he suggested to Margaret, wouldn't it be something if we could go back to Jersey, back to that club with the same audience and try to make things right? Have a discussion where both sides, comedian and audience, could talk about what happened. Jerry says he will moderate the discussion and then they'll start doing jokes. The show's going to happen on a Thursday night. And he says it's important as someone who cares about comedy, comedians, and people who come to see stand-up. What do you think about that? I think she should just uh, move on. Move on from those hundred people. <clears throat> I would move on. Who might have been offended and just 
Call it a day. Keep I think going. she should sit down and talk to Paul Mooney, what he thinks. <laughs> or Norm MacDonald. You know what I mean? Those two comedians, they, they live for people to walk out their shows. Oh, yeah. And, you know, is that what it, that's probably, she, she's probably, Margaret Show is probably going through a changing in styles or something. Yeah. She can, she's, she's changing as a person, she's, maybe. She's yeah. coming out of her shell as a different type of comedian, you know. And now she's more mature and she doesn't give a fuck about, you know, about burning bridges you know she don't give a fuck no more so she's developing part into of her a great, still does because it bothers she's her. gonna be a i'm pretty sure she come out she'll come out of an even greater comedian and everybody has a bad show man yeah she had one bad show it's just something you have to shake off and if if, if people really know have her a whole makeup show like, let me tell you man kathy griffin bombs everywhere she goes probably and she <laughs> doesn't even know she's bombing because <laughs> you put kathy griffin in a show she thinks she's a good comic you put Kathy Griffin in a show where she has to fa- she has to farm go out go right up after Cheryl Underwood or or a black comedian she's mm-hmm. gonna bomb hard yeah so I think um uh, but going back and get the same audience that's fucking stupid yeah unless you're gonna put in a fucking show or 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 we're part of some reality show that yeah. we don't know about yeah that's gonna we're gonna be included but now nah, man fuck that yeah i know take your bombing like a like a like everybody does and move on and you know what the people who were really pissed enough to walk out are not coming back to the makeup show they're not coming back back to the makeup show and you lost them anyway so just let them go they're not coming back it's a stress factory i know it's a small it's a comedy club it's a comedy club you think I'm going to want to go back to El Paso? It or, wasn't Carnegie Hall no. where she pissed off everybody. You didn't piss off every, no, <laughs> Madison the, the Square Met Garden. Or the, free, the Fremont Theater, the fair, whatever it's or called. Or Madison it. Square Garden or no. whatever. It's not like that. It was probably 150, 200 people and whatever. And maybe half of them unless Unless she, did, unless she was supposed to do 45 minutes and did 20, then I think she, they got ripped off. Maybe. She should just do another show then if she wants to over there. But I think it's, you know what? If If she had kept quiet about it, Nobody would have known that she had this horrible set and should maybe do this makeup thing, you know? It's Nobody would have known. Though. It is, I guess, because Jerry Seinfeld's involved and all that stuff. I don't know. Just thought it was weird when I saw that. I was like, well, Felipe's going to think that's dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> it is dumb. It's weak. I think it's weak. And it's weak for... Comedy. It's weak for comedy. And it's weak for somebody like Margaret Cho to like, apologize. Like She's basically the, saying I'm sorry. That's like Seinfeld doing the same routine he did on a Seinfeld show when when Kramer's girlfriend kept heckling him and he went yeah. to go heckle her, her yeah, job. Yeah. I mean, once the show, once you put the mic down and yeah. say goodnight, it's over, man. You can't it's go over. back. You can't go back because that's... There are the, no remakes in comedy well, in that's life. that's the great part about live comedy or a live music show, a live concert. It's ha- it's happening in that moment, and you can't recreate those moments. And you might say something that you didn't write down, and you didn't you haven't practiced with this other material. It's something new, and you go, you know, and you're glad you're recording it because you you just now thought of that, you know. But those little moments are exciting as an audience member as a who comedian, truly loves if, comedy. If you're a homeowner, you shouldn't be whining about what other people <laughs> don't have and you don't have because yeah. you own a house. Yeah, you should think about. Uh, should be crying about what white people so have. You're saying she's privileged anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't be talking about what white people did, white people that. If you're a homeowner, <laughs> you know what I mean, or you have your gay friend, your your fans, your yeah. gay fans, yeah. or she's got a or, strong fan base. Or or you know, you're you're where you're at because where you're at. 
you know, you have a fan base. You're going to be selling out continuously your shows. That's what, You're not going to lose no fans. You know, you're, you're loved in the West Coast just like I am. Mm-hmm. Come back over here. Yeah. Or go it's on a Broadway good. and do your one-man show. Because it's also apologizing because comedy to me. <clears throat> now, a lot of people think comedy. Kramer should have. <laughs> if anybody should go bring back the same audience yeah. with fucking Seinfeld, it's Kramer. Yeah. Seinfeld should get a fucking get, go walk, <laughs> call James Sala right now yeah. and call all those black people he insulted. Yeah. Get them all together and get the same comedians, Fraser Smith included, mm-hmm. Sully McCullough, Sully. <laughs> and have them perform. Johnny Sanchez was there too. And have <laughs> Kramer tell them, hey man, this is what happened, man. I was bombing and I just want to apologize, man. You know, I, got, I brought my friend right here, Sakamoto. You know, to apologize for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's weak. I think it's weak of her to do that, to apologize. And I think it's also, um, for the audience member, I think the jokes are an extension of who the person is. Yes. Comedy is an extension of who the comedian is. It has to be. And it's not funny if it isn't. You know, you get old Somebody shtick, give her a pilot. You get shtick sort of comedy you know, one-liners that don't, you don't really get a personal relationship with the comic when they're not talking about their lives. And at some point, the comic's going to hit a wall when they're not talking about their lives. Um, if they're just talking about, like, you know, observations tweet that later or whatever. On, man. I think um, it's time for us to get a cross together, man. You should get Richard, you get um, Michael. Michael Richards. Michael Richards in the Laugh Factory. <laughs> Reboot. Reboot. So. But, you know, it's an extension of the, who the comedian is. So if the comedian's going through changes or dealing with something or whatever that's making him or her angry at this time, then, you know, that's going to come out in their comedy. And not everything that comes out of their mouth at that show is going to be a perfectly crafted joke. Yeah. Enchilada Casserole, people. Enchilada Casserole podcast. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Just letting it all hang out as she's a